Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Management Strategies for Minimizing Early Pregnancy Loss. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Sydney O'Daniel, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Thanks for joining me today, Sydney. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, Sydney, this is an article that you co-author with Dr. Rick Funston, who's a Nebraska Extension beef cattle reproductive physiologist. The focus of this article was really on what are some management strategies we can have in place to help us reduce early embryonic loss. One of the things that I think is very interesting is there's some good research that would indicate that anywhere from 90 to 100% of eggs are actually fertilized at the time of estrus. However, from that point on, Till maternal recognition occurs and also out to day 42, we can have some significant early embryonic loss. Give us some perspective on what's happening early on at the time of conception and then what's happening with that early developing embryo and how stresses at different phases could impact this and result in greater early embryonic loss. Right. So I think it's important to go over what really happens in those first 42 days so that you can understand how the stress is going to impact that embryo. So fertilization obviously occurs on day zero. And day one through day four, that embryo is still in the oviduct. However, at day five, it travels down the uterine horns to the uterus, where it kind of hangs out and goes through some developmental phases until about day 15, which is the maternal recognition of pregnancy. And from day 15 to day 42, that embryo works on attaching to the uterus and the development of the placenta. So at day 42, that embryo becomes a little bit more protected because it is attached to the uterus and it's less susceptible to changes in the uterine environment that can be the result of stress. Well, Sydney, let's talk about some of the stresses that can result in early embryonic loss and, and give us some perspective on how that might be detrimental to that early developing embryo. One of the things that you highlight early on is transportation stress, and this is one that's pretty common, especially as we think about ester synchronization programs that might happen in a dry lot scenario, and then maybe hauling cattle to pasture. Uh, give some perspective on what we should understand around what happens with hauling, and maybe what would be some good times to do that. Right. So I guess I'll reference a study that found that transporting cattle between days 5 and 42 can result in as much as a 10% reduction in pregnancy. And that is just simply because when cattle are transported, they can become stressed, which can release um, a cascade of hormones that can alter the uterine environment and make it not so ideal for supporting a pregnancy. So day one through four, that embryo is still in the oviduct and it's generally protected, but day five through 42, it's in the uterus and it's not attached and it's very susceptible to changes. I guess the recommended time to haul cattle would be prior to breeding, if possible, or days one through four post-breeding, or after day 60. While day 42 is attachment to the uterine wall, there has been studies that have found embryonic loss from day 42 all the way out through day 60. So if you can just wait a few weeks, you might be able to increase your pregnancy rates slightly. So really what I hear you saying is if we're planning to breed cattle and take them to pasture, Basically, as soon as they're bred, we need to get them on a truck and get them hauled there, or if we're maybe going to be driving them to do that immediately. 
at that stage, that early developed egg is, or that egg that's been fertilized is still in the oviduct and then it has not yet down moved into the uterine body. So earlier is better, or if we can, uh, looking as long as almost two months out to where we would haul or move cattle would be preferable in terms of trying to minimize early embryonic loss. Yes, that would be, I think, the best recommendation. One of the other things you highlight is just the impact of heat stress around early embryonic development and how that can be detrimental. Give us some perspective on that and what can be the environment in which heat stress can really be negative to pregnancy? Yes, so heat stress can kind of be lumped in with transportation stress because that's often when it occurs, but it can also occur when you're working cows, running them through the chute, or even in some dry lot scenarios where there's no shade. For the practicality of this article, I'm going to say heat stress is 90 to 110 degrees Fahrenheit and 40% humidity or more. Um, studies have found that cows exposed to heat stress 8 to 16 days after breeding um, had compromised embryos and reduced concentrations of progesterone, which progesterone is the hormone of pregnancy. It's what supports it through calving. So if that hormone drops, the success of that pregnancy can be compromised. Other studies have also found that even heat stress prior to breeding can have effects. Heat stress can decrease follicular waves and impact estrus, and you know that can alter the success of fertilization as well. One of the other things you talk about as a potential that could reduce pregnancy is actually pregnancy diagnosis. And we often wouldn't think about that, but in the article, you highlight three methods that we can utilize with pregnancy diagnosis and also some of the impacts of that to actual retention of pregnancy. Uh, Share those three methods of diagnosis and how they differ from one another. And then what are the stages at which we might consider using these different methods and try to reduce risk to those early developing embryos? So there's three pregnancy diagnosed methods available. That would be rectal palpation, transrectal ultrasound, and a blood test. A blood test is the least invasive method. The results aren't immediate, and that might not be practical for all producers. Then there's rectal palpation and rectal ultrasound. Rectal palpation can be utilized as early as 35 to 45 days, and rectal ultrasound can be utilized 25 to 30 days post-breeding, so pretty early. However, some studies have found that rectal palpation can cause almost a two-fold increase in fetal losses as compared to rectal ultrasound. This can just largely be attributed to the manipulation of the uterus during that pregnancy diagnosis method. It can damage the embryo and the developing membranes. That same study also found that um, the experience of the technician had a big impact on embryonic survival as well. An inexperienced technician can cause nearly a twofold increase in embryonic losses as compared to an experienced technician. That study also found that heifers evaluated prior to 53 days um, had nearly a threefold increase in pregnancy loss. So I kind of touched on this earlier. You can use rectal palpation and rectal ultrasound as early as 45 days or with ultrasound as early as 25, but that might not be very wise. Waiting after that day 42 and even day 60 post-breeding can help you increase your pregnancy rates and reduce embryonic losses. So Cindy, let's talk a little about nutrition at the time of breeding and then also what's happening with nutrition after breeding. Uh, That time from calving to breeding is pretty important 
Uh, we want those cows, if possible, to be maintaining body condition or actually gaining a little bit of weight. And then we've got some good studies from the University of Nebraska that would show cows that are a little thin but actually gaining weight prior to and through the breeding season still can have very acceptable pregnancy rates. However, there's some, also some studies that would say when cows are on a high plane of nutrition or heifers for that matter, and then at the time of breeding, maybe we've been having those cows in a dry lot scenario or a heifer development facility that have been on a high plane of nutrition, and then we breed them and kick them right out to pasture, uh, that change in ration, that change in uh, what those cows have been on from a diet perspective could be detrimental especially if they were gaining weight and then they move into a scenario where they're losing weight. Uh, that can actually be detrimental. So thinking about the, the breeding program, thinking about what you're feeding prior to uh, when you're maybe using an ester synchronization program, and then also realizing if those cows or heifers are on a high plane of nutrition and then for whatever reason are really on a decreasing plane of nutrition right after the time of breeding, that can have a negative impact on early pregnancy retention. Uh, Sydney, anything else you want to highlight for us as we wrap this topic up? Um, no, I think that this was good and I hope this helps. Thanks again for joining me today, Sydney. Thanks, Aaron. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. At the website, you will be able to find this article, as well as additional articles highlighted in this podcast.